0: Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavuot tov and an erev tov to everybody tonight and tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh Kislev, the month of light. Um, And it really is the whole concept of fighting the darkness by adding more light. And it's my prayer and wish that uh, learning Torah now, together with you for the next three quarters of an hour, just adds somewhat more light to this very, very dark world. One of the other things that I have instituted is that every time I sit and learn, whether with you or with myself, is that I take a few coins, which you're going to hear clanging now on on the on the radio, if you are around a charity box, just drop a coin or two into the charity box because that helps uh, just beautify the mitzvah and give more power to the mitzvah in that we are being charitable. As always, we are learning for the protection of all our soldiers in the IDF that are at the forefronts, that are protecting us, to all the families Um who are going through a lot of torment with the hostages. We should hear good news and see that the hostages, all of them, come back safely to their families. To so everybody in, 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 in Klal Israel that is in Eretz role, that is having, finding themselves in a place of difficulty. And, of course, for all Jews across the world, that we stand strong, we stand firm, and we stand proud. And that Hashem should protect us against the evil that uh, we have outside there. Without further ado, we are going to now learn Torah, Talmud Torah connected uh, Kulon. Um Learning Torah is greater than all the mitzvahs put together. And uh, I'd love you to join the conversation if you do have a question. It is the SMS line is three four five one nine, or our, um, or our. Telegram number is six one eight nine five one zero one nine. We're in chapter twelve of the book of Exodus. It's Parashat Bo, and we are actually at the point, okay, um, that in fact um, there is now going to be a pause in the implementation of the death of the firstborns. We last week we spoke about how Moshe gave the warning over to Paro. Paro hardened his heart. He didn't want to hear. But this was going to be, this is going to be the final blow that seals the deal and allows the Jews to go. But there's a pause. And the pause is a very interesting one because God comes to Moshe and Aaron now and what he in fact does is he presents to Moses and Aaron the very first mitzvah of the Torah. So if you have if you have a, um, if, if you, if you ask the question, what is the very first mitzvah of the Torah? Well, the answer is here. We're going to learn it today. And in fact, if you remember, um, when we learned Bereshit, and it probably was about two and a half years ago, years ago, um the very first verse of the book of Genesis is in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And Rashi asks the question why is the Torah beginning with the creation of the world when it should start with the first mitzvah? What is the first mitzvah? We're gonna hit it right now. Hachodesh. It's the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Okay? Um So we are going to learn about this mitzvah right now and probably spend the entire time that we have together understanding a little bit more the Jewish calendar. So let's look at the two verses that we are going to expound on and then let's just understand a whole lot of things around the Jewish calendar. HaShem El Be'el Aharon Hashem says to Moshe in Aaron, Be'eretz Mitzrayim in the land of Egypt, Lamor saying, Ha'chodesh hazeh lachem rosh chodashim, Rishon hu lachem lechotche hashana, that this month shall be the head of the months to you. It will be the first month of your year. Firstly, just before we get started on understanding the months, you can see here that again, God is speaking to Moshe outside the city. You remember, we spoke all the time that God could not speak inside the palace, inside the city. It was full with with uh, avodah Zorah, with idol worship, and so every time that Moshe was going to receive a communication, he would um, have to leave the city. And so he does. He, he gets that right now. Um, the only exception was last week when we said that he received a communication in the palace because. Um what's the name? Pharaoh was gonna kick him out and never see him again, and he had to give them the message of the firstborn. Other than that, it has to be outside the, the, the city. Okay, so this is very interesting. And again over here, normally God spoke to Moshe alone. Here we see that he speaks again to Moshe and Aaron because um he was going to give him the first mitzvah. This was going to be a mitzvah for all the Jewish people. And so he gave the honor both to Moshe and Aaron. Now, when is God giving this mitzvah that this month should be the first of months for you? So we know that we're in, in, in the story, we're in the month of Nisan. And God was telling Moshe that this is going to be the first month of the year. But that is really a little bit of a confusion because for most of us, if we say to you, when is when is the first month of the year? Ordinarily and most probably, everybody would say Rosh Hashanah. Now, Rosh Hashanah is in the month of Tishrei. So what is going on here? What is the first month of the Jewish year? Is it now Nisan? Or is it Tishrei? Now, why do we use Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, as the first month of the year? Because as we know, Rosh Hashanah celebrates the birthday of man. That in fact the world was created six days prior and when when um, Adam was created on the sixth day, that falls as the, well, I should have said five days prior, the sixth day when Adam was created was Rosh Hashanah and so that's what we consider the beginning of our new year, of our cycle. But in truth now God changes the cycle and says, well the first year of the of your year has to be Nisan. So we go, Nisan, Adar. And just to give a bit of a parable to explain why the new year was changed, we can understand it by the parable of a, a king who has an early son. And he makes a, a great, great feast for when he's born, right? And from that day on, the, the, the boy's birthday is celebrated every single year in in the kingdom with big banquets, etc., etc. One day, when the boy is a little bit older, he unfortunately gets kidnapped, and he's taken away from home for a very long time. Eventually, the king secures the release of his son. He's finally ransomed, and when he comes home, the king throws an even greater celebration than when he was born. And from that day on the anniversary of the son's return landed up becoming a greater celebration than his birthday and so so it is with the jewish people at first the months were counted from tishrei why because it was the month in which adam was created it was the birthday of the human race but now we 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 we're, we're upping the ante right um even though we're celebrating the 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 birthday what we're not understanding is that the jews landed up in in slavery Uh, there was like a 400 year period they were there for 210 years so when the jews are redeemed okay because hashem selected yaakov and his descendants to be his chosen people that is the day that now takes on a greater significance than just the birth of mankind. There are other reasons why Nisan has some significance. Um, Isaac was born, according to some, in Nissan. It was the month where he was bound on the altar that we saw in Genesis 22. It was the month that Jacob received his blessing from his father Isaac. And guess what? It's also the month that is deemed to be when we will see the final redemption. So just because the ante ante was upped, we now look at Nissan as the first month of the year. This is 101.9 CHI-FM. CHI-FM, your station of choice since 2008. Okay, so we're talking about the fact that Nisan becomes the month in which we now measure the Jewish year. It is the first of the months. And if you want more proof, okay, um, about, about it, is that when we talk about the Shalosh Regalim, the three festivals, we don't say Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot. Right, Because if we start counting from Tishrei, we would say Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot. When we talk about the Shalosh Regalim, the three festivals where we went up to the temple in Jerusalem, we say Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Why? Because Pesach again is the first of the three starting to count from the month of Nisan. Now, also very, very interestingly, just talking about... Nissen being the first of the months and, and, and all, all the, the ramifications. Very interestingly, when we talk about days in Hebrew, we don't have names like we have in the Gregorian canon. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What we do is we call every single day after the Shabbat. So, what is Sunday? Sunday is the first day after Shabbat. Monday, the second day after Shabbat. Hayom yom shlishi b'Shabbat. Today is the third day of Shabbat. Hayom yom shishi b'Shabbat. Today is the sixth day of Shabbat. And and by the way, very interestingly, this is the this is the way days of the week are written in any Jewish legal document, and also in in the bills of marriage and divorce. They don't on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They say which day of the week. It is in reference to Shabbat. So really, the days of the week themselves don't stand in and of their own. They're the third day of the week towards Shabbat. Now, the same thing is that if you look in the entire Torah, no months are mentioned by name. They're referred to as the first month, the second month, etc., etc. And this is how we landed up counting if you go and look at any verse in the Torah that say for example tells you to bring a uh, a sacrifice it will say you will bring the the the, the sacrifice on the 10th day of the 7th month and you will know that the 10th day of the 7th month happens to be Yom Kippur okay it's not going to say bring the sacrifice on the 10th of Tishrei it will only count it in, 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 in relevance to Nisan being the first month and it will give a number to it. So when did it change? Because I just told you that they they have names. Nisan, Iyar, Siban, Tammuz, Av, Elul, Tishrei, Keshvan, Kislev, Tevet, Shvatadar. Where did we get those names? So just mentioning the, 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 the month in relation to the month of Nisan as in the third month of the year or the fifth month of the year continued all the way until we came back from the Babylonian exile and then after the Babylonian exile what happened was that the months actually got names, they got these names Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Av, Elul etc, etc right and how do we know that because you know that um, the story of Purim happened around the end of the, the Babylonian exile when we returned back. If you go look in the book of Esther, they will go, in the first month, that is the month of Nisan. That's when it changed. Okay, it's the first time in the Bible that we see it says the first month, and then it actually relates to it as the month of Nisan. So, that is, that is, that is pretty interesting. Okay, And we now understand why Nisan becomes the first month of the Jewish year because it was a significant change when Hashem now took us as His people, as His chosen people, and that is far more significant than the day that humanity was born. Now, the first commandment really of Hachodesh is God instructing Moshe that when a new moon was seen, this was going to be called the Mulad, the rebirth. And it was at that time that the Beth Den would then designate a new month. So what is a Mulad? A Mulad is the very first sliver of the moon that is visible at the beginning of the lunar cycle. Now, in the olden days again, and I'm going to tell you when it's changed... But in the olden days, what would happen is that a new month was established in two ways. One, the Beth din or the Sanhedrin, the, the 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 rabbinical court, would use astronomical calculations to work out when the new month, the new moon, would appear, to then designate that as the new, as the new month. Okay now just by the way I just want to say something about their astronomical calculations the the astronomical calculations that the rabbis had and that they received in um, from 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 the rabbis of the Sanhedrin are so precise and I can't remember exactly which decade it was but I can I can easily say probably in the last 50 60 70 years our computers We're able to work out the cycle of the moon to ten decimal places. And if you go look into all the astronomical calculations found in Torah, you will see that the rabbis had this information thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago. It was only in the last hundred years where we've had computing power have we been able to work out the cycle of the moon to ten decimal places. It's quite uh, um, like uh, astounding to think. Now, just for more clarity before we continue with how they set the new moon, um, understand that the Jewish calendar runs on a lunar calendar. We run with the waxing and the waning of the moon. Um, the Gregorian calendar runs around the solar calendar. Okay? And the solar calendar and the lunar calendar do not run in sync. There is, every four years, there will be a 29 Day difference, and so what you will see as you follow the Jewish calendar is that the Yom Tavs will become earlier and earlier in in the season. So what we could see, for example, from this year, this year Rosh Hashanah, the the, the new year period, which and I'm just mentioning it simply because it's it's the the easiest to access right now, and we could all understand, was early in September. Now, if you go look at next year, it's at the end of October. It ends like it starts in the middle of October. Why? Because this year is a leap year. Why is this year a leap year? Because we've run four years where every single year the lunar and the solar have not synchronized and what has happened is that from a seasonal point of view, because the lunar is shorter than the, 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 the solar, we lose about um, a week every single year. And so what happens is our yantoms become earlier and earlier and earlier. Now, because the Yamim Tovim, the, 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 the Jewish holidays need to be seasonal as well, right? Um, Pesach has to be in the the festival of spring. It has to happen in spring. Um, Sukkot has to happen in the, in the the festival of gathering. Shavuot has to have happen in the festival of harvesting. All of these are seasonal as well. And if we just kept on going back back a week, back a week, back a week, without correcting it, what would happen eventually is that Pesach would be in September and Rosh Hashanah would be in April. So, every four years, we have a leap year. This year, 5784 is a leap year. How do we do a leap year? We add an additional entire month to the year, and the last month of the year, which is Adar. So, this year, we'll have Adar Aleph and Adar Bet. We'll have two months of Adar. That pushes the entire calendar Forward, much later, we start Rosh Hashanah at the end of October, middle of October. Then the next year we'll go to the beginning of October, then the middle of September, then the beginning of September, and then we'll have another, another uh, leap year in order to correct the time and to keep us, okay, keep us, um, on on the same seasonal calendar. So there really is two different, uh, two different. Things at play here, even though we need to understand fundamentally that we are a people that follow the moon. So, basically, what would happen is that there would be astronomical calculations in the Bay's Den, but they would rely on two witnesses to see the birthing of the new moon. And as soon as they saw the new moon... Two witnesses, and by the way, these witnesses had to be men, okay, and they had to be valid witnesses, so they couldn't be a slave, they couldn't be a thief, they couldn't be a criminal, and they couldn't be related to each other, Um a woman also, by the way, cannot be a witness, not because the Torah is uh, is 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 pushing down women, just simply because women tend to be far more emotional about things and always tag an emotion to something that happens. So we can't be as clear clear thinking as men. So it has to be a man when two witnesses. Saw the slither of the new moon. They would rush back to Yerushalayim. They would tell the Beth Din who had already made their calculations. And once those two independent sightings were verified together with the calculations of the Beth Din, then the Beth Din would declare a new moon. They would obviously try and ask all, all, all the questions to validate them and to double check, and so they would make that a Rosh chodesh. Okay, Um if, for example, the moon could not be seen, or if two witnesses didn't testify, then the thirtieth day of the previous month would be counted as the last day of the month, and the thirty-first would automatically become the first day of the new month. Now, in the beginning, um, they, the, 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 the Bethden would accept any type of witnesses. But round about the second temple, round about 200 BCE, um, people were playing around. They were hiring witnesses to testify falsely that they had seen the new moon. So at that point in time, the Bethden made a, a rule that th- The only valid witnesses would have to be two orthodox Jews, um, and that they could be verified independently. They would be accompanied by two guarantors from the local community, so their identity and their reputability was also was also um, verified. Now, what type of questions would the Beth Din ask in order to carefully calculate? The moon They would ask them which part of the sky did you see it in, in exactly which position, how large was its crescent, in which direction did it cusps point. And if the entire um, description of the moon fit the calculations, then the testimony was accepted. If not, it was rejected. And also very interestingly that when the temple stood um, and witnesses to the new moon um were, were, were verified and correct and a, a new month was promulgated a special sacrifice was offered on the new moon very interestingly if, it, if they happen to see the sighting of the new moon on Shabbat um, we are told that If they were too weak to walk, they were permitted to ride an an animal on Shabbat so they could get back to the Beth Den. If the roads were dangerous, they would be allowed to carry weapons on Shabbat, which normally um, one is not allowed to do. That now, just another interesting thing is that our um, is that our months are either. 29 days where they're called Chaser or 30 days where they're called malay. And interestingly, when all of this was done, again, in the time of the temple, if once they, everything was verified, they actually used to have a big feast. The witnesses were honored at a great feast and they would, the, the month was, was, um, Proclaimed, the Beth Den would say, "Mekudash Achodesh," that the new month is sanctified, and the entire assembly that was there said, "Mekudash, Mekudash." It's sanctified. It's sanctified. So that was a pretty, pretty interesting idea. After, um, after a, a, a long while, you'll see that we were no longer needed to have. Witnesses today, we don't have witnesses. Um, We have enough calculations to last us till the arrival of Mashiach, and we rely totally on those calculations. And that part of the ceremony falls away. Nevertheless, Rosh Chodesh remains a semi-holiday, and it says that one shouldn't cut one's nails on it, and cut one's hair, and one should have more of a festive meal, and one should accord it the the respect that it is needed. Now, here's an interesting idea. There were seven months of the 12-month year where the din would send out messengers to publicize to the whole of Eretz Yisrael that there is a new month and it has been designated. Which months were... Um, when do they send these messengers? Well, firstly, in Nisan... Because they, once they mentioned the new month, people would know when Pesach fell in Iyar, because of Pesach Sheni on the fourteenth of Iyar, they would have to um, bring a a a korban if they had missed so, in Pesach time, in Av, so they would know when it's Tishaba B'av, in Elul, so they would know which day of the week is Rosh Hashanah, in Tishrei so they would know when it's Yom Kippur and Sukkot. In Kislev, so they would know when it is Chanukah. And in Adar, so they would know when it is Purim. Now, if you listen to what I was saying, I missed a yontav. Let me say it again. Nisan because of Pesach. Iyar because of Pesach Sheini. Av because of Tisha Av, elo because of Rosh Hashanah. Tishrei because of Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Kislev because of Hanukkah, and Adar because of Purim. Who did I miss? I missed the holiday of Shavuot. Why did the rabbis not send messengers around to publicize that a new moon, a new moon had been designated so people would know when Shavuot, um, Shavuot is starting? And the answer is very simple. They had no need to. Why? Because between Pesach and Shavuot, we count 49 days, and we know the 50th day is designated Shavuot. So we didn't need the rabbis to send a messenger on the, the beginning of Sivan to tell us that in six days' time it would be Shavuot. Why? Because we knew it would be Shavuot. IFM 101.9 megahertz of Life just before we carry on with the idea of Chodesh, just a quick message. Um, a listener just asks: is there any particular reason why the sorcerers and magicians love midnight as their times? For example, on the plague of the death of the firstborn males. I don't know. I'm not, thank God, a sorcerer or a magician. I do know that there are certain forces that, that happen um, in in the courtly hour. So between 6 and 12, we have um, the designation of certain um, angels, then between 12 and 6 in the morning. There's others between 6 and 12 again for the daytime and then 12 to 6 again, which is the afternoon. There is an entire bunch of spiritual things happening and designation of different powers and different angels, um, that, that have influence. And I guess they knew something. I'm not exactly sure. And it's, Maybe when we get to there we'll work out why God decided that it should be exactly at midnight, but great question and thank you Joseph for participating. Right, let's go back now to the fact that the Beth Din was sending uh, a messenger to publicize to everybody that it would be a Yontav. Now, we know that in Isaiah there is a saying, "Ki Mitzion teitz Torah devar Hashem Yerushalayim." That out of Zion will come Torah, and God's word will come out of Yerushalayim. And really, what we're saying from that that the new is that the new month can only be designated by a Beth Din situated in the Holy Land, nowhere else, particularly in Yerushalayim. And witnesses can only be uh, and also that witnesses were there; they, they had to come with the Sanhedrin was. So now, let's understand what really happened. Two things happened from the fact that this sighting can't happen in North America and somebody to go to the Beth there, or vice versa in South Africa. It had to be um, at the equator in Israel, particularly in Yerushalayim. So why did the rabbis go and send the messengers to tell the people that, okay, this is the first of Nisan, so you must know on the 15th of Nisan is Pesach. Or this is uh, Tishrei, so this this is the month of Tishrei, so you will know that 10 days later has to be Yom Kippur and 15 days later will be Sukkot. They were told that in order for the Jews to start preparing for the Yontav, and here's the interesting thing. Have you ever wondered why Jews in the diaspora will keep two days of every Yontov and Jews in Israel will keep one? Well, in those days, there wasn't Telegram, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't an instant uh, thing of information. They relied on messengers. And if you lived in Israel, you probably got the message in advance, well, 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 well in advance to understand that today is the first, so the 15th will be Pesach. But for those that lived in the diaspora, it took longer for the messengers to get there. And while they knew it was supposed to happen, was going to happen, they would always get worried about are they designating it on the right day or not. So what happened was, is that we always designated whatever Yontev for two days, not one day. So that's why we keep two days of Pesach in the Diaspora and only one. That's why we keep two days of Sukkot in the Diaspora and in Israel only one. Two days of Shmini Seret, and Simchat Torah in Israel only one. Because it became a custom for the Jews in the Diaspora to be extra careful because there could have been a delay in a messenger coming to us and we weren't sure which which day it was going to be. And therefore we covered ourselves and we kept two days. The question then that you can ask, okay, is there is an exception. The only exception to this two-day story was, in fact, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is two days in the diaspora and two days in the land of Israel. Why? Only because Rosh Hashanah is the exception to the rule. All other Yamim Toivim are in the middle of the, the, the month or and sometime during the month. Pesach is on the 15th of the month. Shavuot is on the 6th and 7th of the month. Yom Kippur is on the 10th of the month. Sukkot is on the 15th of the month. Shemini Atzeret is on the 22nd of the month. Hanukkah is on the 25th. Purim on the 14th. The only Yamtev that falls on the 1st of the month is Rosh Hashanah. Since Rosh Hashanah is on the first of the month, it would always be impossible for the messengers to announce the designation of the new month before the Holy Day. And so even in Jerusalem, Rosh Hashanah was often kept for two days. And so that became Jewish custom. Rosh Hashanah is universally celebrated for two days, whereas everybody else in Israel, knew that they would be able to get the information of what Yontavs to keep um, straight away, and so they would uh, they would um, they, they would keep the one day. The Jews in the diasporas kept the two days. So that is really really a very very interesting idea. And I told you that now I will tell you because I did not see the source yet. When did we change? from the fact that we had to have two witnesses and the base then to eventually knowing that we can rely on our calculations, it was when Rav Hillel, who lived in 303, BC, uh, 303 CE, so basically 2020 years ago, Okay, he was a descendant of Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, he arranged the, cal- the calendar calculations that are, be- are used all the way to today. So the first time that we had a, a calendar like we pick now from, from any one of our sh- our, our shops, right, where it just tells us when the Shabbat light is, when it's on top, all of these things was in the year 4118. That's 358 CE. Okay? About 2000 years ago. That was the first time that we had a calendar that we could rely on um, and not worry about that we're getting the right day and the wrong the, the wrong day, so that is really, really, very, very interesting. Um, the other thing to understand is that um, there are phases to the moon. the Jews are likened to to the moon. Um, and there are, are various interesting ideas about that. The moon is a reflection of the sun Hashem is con- is is like having a full revelation, a full outward revelation of godliness and what the Jews have to do is that they have to mirror they have to um, project that light into the world. so we are very very much connected to uh, to 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 the moon and um just as we're going to a break now, I'm going to hold that thought and remind you that besides us running our lives according to the moon, running our yamim toivim according to the moon, running our, our entire calendar around the cycle, we do celebrate the fullness of the moon. And that is with Kidish Levana, which we will just have a quick chat about right after this break this is 101.9 high fm high fm 101.9 megahertz of life. okay so finally let's just have a quick quick chat with um about kiddush levana kiddush levana is normally a blessing that we say on motzei shabbat that is the shabbat closest to the full moon when the moon is in its grandeur um, it is a mitzvah for men, not for women. It is a mitzvah to be dressed in Shabbos clothes, and that's why I'm generally, not say Shabbat is designated as the right time because everybody is in their big in their big day Shabbat, they're in their clothes for Shabbat, and it is a beautiful and very very mystical uh, blessing where we recognize that 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 um, the the moon signifies the Jewish people in its in its in its in its glory, in in its power and um I I encourage men to to listen out and listen um i join a uh, a a a prayer on a Shabbos when it is time for Kiddush Levana. And with that note, I wish everybody a wonderful week ahead. A happy Rosh Chodesh, we are now celebrating the month of Kislev. We're coming into the month where light will overcome darkness. It's my prayer and my hope that we will see light in amongst all this evil. Thank you for everybody who has been sending in messages that we stand with Israel. And for those that don't, sadly, We'll see who comes up on top. I can guarantee you, we will be doing that. Have a wonderful week ahead. Shabat Tov.